The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's now 10 minutes past 8. Some people believe South Africa has become an attractive safe haven for fugitives on the run. Others say it's a country where crime and high-level corruption run closely together, helped by many illicit industries, which are paying better than ever. The underworld syndicates, many people also warn that uh, organized crime is a reality of modern life and that the police in South Africa should not be too confident in their ability to crush organized crime. Underworld groups pose serious threat in terms of the crimes they commit, but also because of their ability to corrupt senior officials. Those who know say traditionally crime networks rely on two methods to escape justice, bribery and intimidation. Why is South Africa besieged by underworld syndicates? This is the question we ask on the forum this morning. A very good morning to you. Welcome. And we say welcome to Captain Paul Ramuloko, who is the spokesperson for the Hawks. He joins us in our studios in Hatfield in Pretoria. Paul O'Sullivan is a forensic consultant. He's on the line with us, uh, I believe, uh, only up until 25 past eight. And Peter Gastro, who is a consultant and specialist on transnational crime syndicates, also on the line to us. A very good morning to you all, and thank you very much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, sir. I'm going to start with you, Peter Gastro. Your view and, and the question that we're asking, is it correct? Is South Africa besieged by underworld syndicates? The siege sounds very dramatic, but certainly it's a, a haven for syndicates. It's a very nice place to live for fugitives, and it offers a low-risk, profitable environment for organized crime. Corruption is high, and law enforcement is not effective enough. And is there evidence that uh, it's become the holiday spot of uh, uh, big-time gangsters, as it's often portrayed? Yes, there are big-time gangsters in South Africa, but we must be careful not to uh, regard it as an isolated case. Uh, It's a worldwide phenomenon. South Africa is just more attractive than many other countries, and uh, it is therefore an easier place of refuge and a more attractive one for many. But uh, we're not the only ones that've got this problem. Captain Ramoloko, we've been described as the crime capital of the world, and some say it's because of this that makes it easier for people who are part of the underworld to come to South Africa unnoticed, without the proper documentation, and do what they do. Uh, a bit, uh, we hold a different view, because uh, I understand what uh, Peter is saying, but uh, talking for a, an elite investigative uh, unit, we are holding a different view in this regard. We feel that uh, South Africa is not a safe haven for the so-called underworld, because when you talk about the underworld, you talk about uh, organized um, um, uh, criminals. Yes, we do have some elements of, um, I mean, uh, criminal activity happening in our country, but uh, yeah, we are getting there. And would you say it's become an important transshipment hub for the export of all sorts of uh, illicit contraband? No, that is not our feeling, Tsepi, um, uh, because uh, if you look at um, uh, South Africa, we cannot say that we are worse than uh, other countries. I mean, the same problem we have here, I mean, other countries are having the same challenge, and we are saying that um, we are doing our best. 
to cut this uh, sketch. Well, let me come to you, Paul O'Sullivan. You're a forensic consultant, but your name pretty much came up during the Jackie Salibi trial, and uh, it's come up a number of times with the recent events that have obviously led us to have this discussion, the attempt on the life of Radovan Kretschir and... Um, also, a, a murder that occurred, a hit, as some have said, um, in, in the last week, or it's about two weeks or so. Who is Paul O'Sullivan in all of this? And what do you think about this concept of South Africa really being propagated or, or populated by uh, very important and uh, significant uh, numbers of uh, gangsters, so to speak, in this country? Well, <clears throat> there's a lot of questions there. Um, the first thing is, I understand the, the chat show this morning is about the underworld of South Africa, so asking who Paul O'Sullivan is, is is not relevant. I'm a citizen like any other South African, and uh, I believe I'm entitled to live in a country uh, that's relatively free of crime. Now, uh, we have some challenges, and, you know, the, the very fact that Jackie Salebi was indeed prosecuted and convicted and removed from his position shows that South Africa does have an, an operating uh, criminal justice system. So I don't think we're a complete basket case, certainly not yet anyway. Now, as far as the underworld are concerned, um, we, we do have a, a problem, and that is that high-level corruption within the South African police uh, has opened the doors for a lot of the activities that go on. Now, if we take, for example, uh, the period that Jackie Salebi was chief of police, during that period, he surrounded himself with like-minded individuals, and they surrounded themselves with like-minded individuals. Now, our Labor Relations Act uh, does not present the police with the opportunity to simply line these people up and show them the door. They have to be caught doing something, and I think the police are... Uh, Dealing with the task slowly but surely, and it's not an easy task to deal with. Now, what I've done along the way is where I've come up against um, crime syndicates that have got cops in their pockets, I'm very quick to put a docket together and hand it to the Hawks so that at least they're in a position to then move forward and do what they have to do. And clearly they have done. Um, I mean, I can, I can give you some names of police officers who are no longer in the police. For example, General Joey Mabasa. Uh, Brigadier Choshi. Uh, there's another Brigadier whose name I won't mention because she's on suspension right now. And there are some others that are being lined up to, shall we say, at least go into the departure lounge. But do you so see I why think I asked the question, who is Paula Sullivan in all of this? Because I'll, I'll point you to the assassination of uh, Black Sam, as he was known, the uh, Lebanese national Sam Issa, who was gunned down in Bedford View. You, for instance, spoke about the fact that you were disbelieving of the <coughs> fact that uh, Radovan Kretscher said he did not know him. Uh, Radovan Kretscher himself has accused you are being an agent of his country of birth that is trying to extradite him, which he says is political, um, you know, is a political plot to actually get him back to the country. Yeah, well, I think there's a slight difference. I've been here, I've been in this country over a quarter of a century. Mm. And in that quarter of a century, I've served my country. I was a police officer for 15 years. And on, on, during the course of that, I got shot three times. So, you know, I've served my country. My blood has been in the gutters in South Africa. So at the end of the day, I don't think Radovan Kretscher, who's a wanted felon, arrived in this country on fake passports with his wife and kids having been kicked out of the Seychelles. 
And then since he's been here, we can now look at nine bodies that have been buried that are directly linked or had some kind of a relationship with Radovan Kretscher. And for him to tell the media that he didn't know Sam Issa is a blatant lie. Everybody knows, especially the close associates of Radovan Kretscher, that Sam Issa was a cocaine trafficker who fed all the nightclubs and strip clubs around Johannesburg with cocaine, and he worked with Radovan Kretscher. So, you know, let's just lay that little rumor to rest. As far as me acting for the Czech government is concerned, it's an outright lie. I've worked with them in as much as I have flown to the Czech Republic several times to meet with the police there and detail the activities of Radovan Kretscher in South Africa and get further information from them, which I then passed on to the Hawks. So, uh, you know, let's dispel that rumor as well. Hmm. I, have, I have certain skills. I've been a police officer not only in South Africa but overseas. I was in the UN police uh, for a number of years, and before that I was working for the British government in counter-terrorism. So I have those skills, and I've deployed them. I now make a healthy living out of uh, consulting services, and I put back what I take out. So I spend at least 10 or 15% of my working day doing jobs for the state, for the people of South Africa, on a pro bono basis. And the, the, the underworld in this country have been able to tap into... Um, generals and brigadiers and the police who have been protecting them. And, and the good news is that the Hawks are doing their job. So despite what people think, mm. and despite what I've been quoted as saying, I believe the future of this country is not as, as, as bad as it looks, and the wheel is turning, and it, it, it perhaps needs a little bit more help and assistance here and there, but things are happening, and I'm quite positive about the future. Peter Gastro, just taking off from where Paul O'Sullivan is, is, is saying, I, I mean, I think for a lot of people there's been a great deal of intrigue, almost a, a mafia-like movie playing itself out in South Africa. Sometimes politicians' names are coming up. Sometimes you have members higher up in the security sector, uh, the police who have been mentioned and how do we separate reality uh, from the fallacy of what is said to be organized crime and, and the definition of organized crime itself I believe it's, it's problematic in itself this is a, a very relevant point because by its very nature organized crime is committed uh, not in the limelight but in the dark uh, and the price extent and exactly what is being smuggled or being perpetrated is not really known. So the information that we have is to a large extent within the knowledge of police or anecdotal or through the media. But what is known is that globally and also in South Africa, organized crime, transnational organized crime is increasing. What is known in South Africa that corruption is getting worse in government circles, in police circles, private sector is involved in, as well. And what is also known uh, through the United Nations is a warning that South Africa will increasingly become an attractive transit point because of, for example, cocaine being smuggled to China, whereas uh, where the growing market is, is likely to also affect South Africa. So we must not rest on our laurels and go into denial. Uh, organized crime will not effectively be countered unless there's an independent investigating body in South Africa, 
the hawks are doing their job, but they are not independent. And the fear is that senior politicians, senior government people and senior elites are not being arrested uh, because of uh, impunity and because of protection. And that's a problem. 891 We're taking your calls. Captain Ramoloko, what do you say to that? Are the hawks are not independent. There has General uh, has been general concern about the independence and integrity of um, security sector officials because of what is seen as political influence uh, and people who sometimes have been implicated in some of these things uh, have been viewed as having enough power to prevent stop investigations or even uh, you know really pretty much push under the carpet. Uh, you'll agree with me that uh, according to the uh, legislation which uh, mandates the establishment of the hawks, we are talking about uh, reasonable independence. And um, we feel that uh, we are, of course, uh, uh, independent, um, free from political influence. And uh, we have uh, made uh, notable successes where we are taking down uh, politicians, I mean, in various provinces, we have uh, the uh, anti-corruption tax team. I mean, so we are saying that um, we are reasonably independent and uh, we are free from political influence. We have uh, successes that we can attribute this to. So we don't know why should somebody somewhere feel that uh, the Hawks are not independent. But we are saying we are independent. We are uh, uh, gradually winning the war. Of course, we cannot win alone. We do need um, intervention of the community, people who feel that they talking about the underworld, having information about this syndicate, uh, to come to us, give us information, and we will obviously give that uh, information the attention it deserves. But it hasn't been the case in many of uh, this. Um, we can well, I've got a question from Sigin Randberg here. Is, he uh, says recently. the fact that mafia is here. Uh, are in South Africa without valid documentation proves that members of our government are in cahoots with them. Your response to that? You know, Therapy, we are working for a conviction in court because um, um, we do have, you can talk about the case of uh, uh, Iwikambala. We have people who are arrested there who are being taken to court and we just do not understand why whenever we have a, a murder or so-called underworld crime, people will always look at um, um, Rodavan creature. I mean, while there's no, I mean, evidence which would say um, Rodavan creature is involved in this uh, uh, specific crime. So, I mean, yeah. Well, Paula Sullivan, I know I have to let you go sometime uh, soon. We have so many names that keep coming up, uh, Vito Palazzolo, uh, and we're told there's a whole community uh, of uh, bouncers that are involved in the underworld. There are assassinations that have taken place. They're all somehow linked, and uh, there still is no clear picture that is emerging. Why is that? Well, if we look at Vito Palazzolo as an example, and of course... He's no longer a challenge for us because he's gone. Um, but he was he was a gift from previous uh, government uh, corrupt ministers. So um, let's just dispel the myth that it's only the current government that's, that's corrupt. The, the, the corruption levels with the previous government were very much uh, 
suppressed. In other words, we didn't have the freedom that the media has today. Um, but, you know, 25 years ago, there was just as much corruption, but it, it worked in a different way. Now, the corruption today has, has created an enabling environment for a lot of these gangsters. At the end of the day, there are a lot of countries out there which are in a far worse position than us. I mean, you just look at Mexico, for example. People, you know, they have execution-style hits there, not at the rate of per day, but per hour. So, you know, yes, we do have some challenges, but I'm, I'm, I must say I have to, to be positive. I do believe that slowly but surely the machine is getting right and the hooks are doing a good job. I've seen things taking place in the last two or three years that I didn't think were possible. So uh, with that, I must say goodbye to you, and, and uh, I hope the rest of the show you're able to come to some conclusion. But I, I personally believe that South Africa is a great country. I've no intention whatsoever packing my bags and going, and I think the more people that stick together and, and do give information to the hooks, I mean, I regularly supply information on criminal syndicates, and every citizen has a duty to do that. And if we all keep doing that, eventually we'll see these criminal syndicates being uh, packed off to wherever they belong. All right, thanks a lot. Uh, that is Paul O'Sullivan. He is a forensic consultant. Uh, unfortunately, he could only join us for that short period of time, but we are taking your calls now, 891 Eight, you can engage uh, our other guests, uh, Peter Castro, who's a consultant and specialist on transnational crime syndicates, as well as Captain Paul Ramuloko, who's the spokesperson for the Hawks, 891 Emmanuel in Johannesburg, good morning. Hi, good morning, Jolene. Well, thanks, and you, Emmanuel. I'm good, I'm fine. Uh, you know that what I want to comment on this matter, the main important thing is to sort of... To to sort it out the crime, police. The police, they know who is the crime, where is the crime, they know everything, they're working together with the criminals. Look now, in this time, there's a lot of police on the road. They tell me each and every time, they're asking me the, the bribe, they're asking the money. I've got some video of that. They ask, they stop you, they're asking the money, if you are a foreigner or something outside, they ask you, no, 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 you can't go, just give me something or give me the money, and they're pulling and they're doing like that. So, they don't focus to protect the country. They don't focus on the, on the uh, to protect the citizen of this country. They focusing on the that to get the money or how to create the money. You know, they want to grab from the money to take it. And if you see that even now, I was in a road yesterday. They told me in a five places. Nothing wrong in my car. It's a license. It's a service. Then they ask me the money. And all right. Thanks, Emmanuel. I don't know if you got cut off there. Sorry about, sorry about that. Mike and Newlands, you say we're too soft on crime. Hi, Sophie. I do indeed. A great panel. What an exciting topic. I do. I just think that uh, if I was a drug lord looking overseas, looking at South Africa, I would say this must be an absolute paradise. And I say that for a couple of reasons. First of all, we don't seem to be seen. We're not seen to be prosecuting, prosecuting people that are guilty of crime. And then when we do, we don't follow through with the sentence. And, I mean, if you look at Jackie Salebi, he currently drives around Pretoria. Now, if I was a, and, and, and he hasn't paid back the seven million rand that he used. So if I was a drug lord, I'd come to South Africa and say, well, listen, as long as you've got the connections, you'll be okay. And if you do go to jail, you'll get out of jail. And don't worry about having to pay back the money. That won't happen. If we look at the Hawks, the, the, the word that the gentleman used from the Hawks is, I think he said, uh, we have reasonable independence, I think he said. Well, that is, sends 
shivers down my spine. If one looks at the level of crime that we have our security minister to be so, now his wife is in jail for a hideous crime of um, drug running with mules, and we have a South African in jail overseas as a result of this. Now, that is the level. Now, if our security minister is not aware of the fact that his wife is involved in drug dealing, it doesn't speak well for the competence of that department. And so if he's got a, a, and the Hawks are going to investigate the security minister, I think you've got a 99% reasonable chance of nothing ever happening because they're never going to investigate him. They can't because they report to the minister of police who in turn reports to the president. So right. it's, it's an absolute nonsense. And just in conclusion, the NPA constantly fights anybody within their organization. We have Richard Dooley at the moment. And he's been told, well, the courts have said to him, no, you must prosecute him. And they are now appealing that. So, you know, drug dealers must think this is Christmas. But I want to say thanks very much to Sullivan. I know he's left. I think he's a great South African. And thanks to him, I think we've, we've made a great, a great job. Thank you. Mikey Newlands. And uh, we'll get a response from my guests in just a moment. Uh, we have to update news headlines now, 8.30, with Fabachni Chetty and get an update from uh, Rob Byrne on the traffic. And then we'll return to our discussion. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 22 minutes to 9. We continue now with our conversation. Why is South Africa besieged by underworld syndicates? In conversation with Captain Paul Ramuloko, who is the spokesperson for the Hawks. He's in our Hatfield studios in Pretoria. And on the line with us is Peter Gastro, who is a consultant and specialist on transnational crime syndicates. You can give us a call on 891 I'm going to read a few SMSs before I come back to you, Peter Gastro. Why was it necessary to get rid of the scorpions at Bulukwan? It's not science pure in case it answers to prove that there is no political will to deal with underworld syndicates and drug lords. We are told that we should be like Mexico and marinate bad news. The reason the underworld flourishes in South Africa is because our intelligence is reactive. Look at the White Widow case and alleged presence of Al-Shabaab businesses in South Africa. Zukisi says, when you have a comrade's police and comrade's intelligence, what do you expect? Marcus, for as long as you have criminals with the vote, you will have criminals voted into leadership and running the country, hence all of the corruption. The criminal justice system, Mr. Gastro, is it vulnerable to political and bureaucratic classes, as seems to be the suggestion? The constitutional framework, does it offer an easy entry for asylum and asylum seekers and people who want to get into the country legally, as some are also suggesting may be part of the problem? The criminal justice system is vulnerable. Criminal justice systems in all countries where organized crime and transnational organized crime is involved are vulnerable. Uh, where the vulnerability increases is in a society where corruption uh, increases and where corruption is not determinately attacked. Uh, so the more corruption you have in the criminal justice system, the more vulnerable it becomes and the more it is exploited by organized uh, crime. Just one point. We need to make sure that we don't equate uh, these criminals that you're referring to with merely the sort of standard stereotype film, the person with the two sunglasses, big muscles. There are an increasing number of highly qualified professionals, slick persons with suits and ties involved, people also involved in business. So, Which is what I was going to say, that when we talk about organized crime, white-collar commercial crime seems to uh, mostly be left out of this. 
you are absolutely right. Uh, and that is uh, the long, long story. That, But we need to bear in mind that we're not just dealing with hoodlums. We're dealing with smart, sophisticated people from our elites generally and South Africans involved as well. We can't just talk about those foreigners attacking us. We have a very uh, involved, organized crime syndicates, South Africans, that we need to look at as well. Captain Ramaloku, there was a time that it was said that uh, it seems the detritus of Central Europe is starting to wash up on our shores, that Cape Town seems to be a a nice little holiday spot for them. And there's been talk about the so-called Sarich Gang, a a notorious Montenegrin crime family that has uh, said to be populating um, especially our coastal shore. Uh, Actually, I wanted to talk to the issue of uh, corruption first that was uh, uh, mentioned by uh, Emmanuel and uh, Peter now that uh, you see when you talk about the issue of corruption you will then talk about uh, the corrupter and the corruptee and uh, it's people I mean uh, our community who corrupt um, um, uh, government officials and in return they come back and they say the uh, uh, public servants are corrupt while it is the community who are uh, uh, I mean, initiating the... But having said that, Captain, uh, I think a lot of people would expect that we have a force that is un- uncorruptible. No, um, I, I want to agree with you. Um, we are saying that we have a, um, an anti-corruption um, a, a task team uh, focused on all corrupt um, activity, I mean, uh, 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 corruption um, uh, cases in government. And as I've already mentioned, we've got uh, notable successes uh, in that regard. And coming to the issue of uh, uh, Cape Town and the gangs, we all know about those uh, gang activity. And uh, the Minister of Police uh, have been in, in, in Cape Town. And um, we are also, I mean, doing our best to um, a clean Cape Town of all uh, uh, gang violence. How, how successful are you in negotiating your way out of some of these cases, just in terms of closing the noose around the, this net, however wide or small it is, of, on this group of criminals. I mean, you had a, a star witness in one of uh, your fraud cases, who's a urologist, I won't name him, who apparently turned on you, even though he had signed a deal with you, pleaded guilty and uh, said he's going to swap you information instead, but he's now applying to come out of the plea deal. Uh, I'm not aware of uh, that um, case, Tsepi, uh, but um, what I'm saying is um, um, the issue of uh, the gang violence. I mean, we cannot say the hawks alone or the police alone, um, they are responsible of uh, keeping it. While these uh, gang members, they are our brothers, our sisters, but uh, we don't bring their name forth so that we deal with them. Because uh, when you arrest these people and you take them to court, we need um, evidential material which will, I mean, um, secure conviction in court. We don't want to be arresting people today, tomorrow they are out, and the community come back and complain. We need concrete evidence which will assist us to secure conviction. So if we don't have evidence against an individual, I mean, there's too little that we can do. 891 We're going to take your calls now. I've got Tapo on the line from Pretoria. You say the NPA is selective when it comes to cases. Tapo, good morning. Morning, Tapo. How are you? Well, thanks. And you? 
good, thanks. Um, my comment is fairly simple, uh, within the same context. When you started the discussion, you questioned the independence of the NPA and all. And, and my belief is one. My belief is that, that, that when it comes to a point where you report, structurally you report to either you account to parliament or you are guided by the constitution, which is amended often uh, now and then, I don't think that in itself is total independent. And I think this, this, this thought of independent is misplaced. I'll give you an example quickly. The, you look at opposition politics, you look at ANC and, and, and DA. DA, whether the conviction, uh, where they've been making noise, then they'll speak and embrace the independence of NPA. But where there's a failed conviction, for instance, the, the, the issue of Richard Mzuli, they now talk about fiddling, they now talk about interference, simply because the, the system in itself does not favor them, or the outcome in itself doesn't favor them. Now they talk about, no, the institution itself is, is, not, is, is not independent. But where there's a conviction, such as okay. uh, Jagi they will say, no, then there is independence, then it means uh, the, the history, our institutions are functioning accordingly. All right, thanks. Thank James in Polukwane. The hooks are not hard on politicians. What gives you that impression, James? Good morning, Tepiso and uh, morning. your panel. Uh, look, I just want to put it on record that uh, our police officers are so corrupt that, uh, you know, they've actually subjected this country into uh, criminal playgrounds. I'll give you an example. We know of an incident in Polokwane, which happened last year, I don't remember which month, where a house of a certain businessman was banned simply because this gentleman simply didn't want to be involved in corruption with politicians there. And what we also know in terms of what we read on the papers was the fact that the people who were implicated in that matter were politicians. And one of them happened to be the cousin of the general of the hockey in the province. Can you believe that that case until today was never heard of any arrest? And we know that this businessman was constantly threatened by politicians as well as business people connected to these politicians. Okay. And nothing happened on that particular case. And Mr. Paul Ramon Logo is there saying, you know, we're making a lot of successes when it comes to arrests and all those type of things. There is an example of a case where nothing has happened until today. Those people are lingering on the streets. You can imagine if that businessman were to think of taking those people out James? of this country, what will happen? Thanks, James. Gerald in Durban, high-ranking officials are the root cause, you say. Uh, hi. hi. Yeah, uh, just, I mean, just to, the, the whole criminal justice system is a crony criminal justice system and if you're, if you're in favour with the cronies you're untouchable and if you're not you, you get persecuted and Junius Malema's case is a case in point. Now I don't want to single out the Hawks but uh, we have a president who's been accused uh, by a number of newspapers and various politicians of stealing money at Inconda. Now I want to ask the captain there if he's truly independent are the Hawks investigating the president for the theft of 200 million rand at his house so, at Uganda? when you say the president has been accused of theft, are you talking about... Yeah, theft. The I'm, I'm telling you, that, that money doesn't belong to him. That money was built with taxpayers' money, and it's his private house, 
And that's the accusation. Now, this is a man that begged for his day in court when he was uh, named by a high court judge as the other part of a generally corrupt relationship. He begged for his day in court to clear his name. He's never cleared his name. Now he's been accused of having Pandla. He lied to Parliament saying that he had a bond. He didn't have a bond in his house. He lied to Parliament. Gerald, it's one thing to talk about spending of upgrade uh, of money. Well, the money money was unauthorized. He stole it. It's a totally different thing. Well, that's well, your opinion, it's Gerald, it's but it's not stated in fact. Gerald in Durban. Sophie in Pretoria, good morning. Uh, good morning, Sophie. How are you? Well, thanks. And you, Sophie? I'm fine. Um, I actually, um, I listened to my phone call. I just wanted to highlight on uh, the previous day before the Sophie, uh, the, the Sepo in, in Bulukwani said that uh, the the, the, the the, the politician minister was arrested for drug ruling and so forth and so forth. That why are they not arresting the husband? I just wanted to. I really don't understand like, what kind of a comment that guy will actually just make because the husband and the wife are not working the same thing and they are not linked to one another. But anyhow, another one is fun. I just want to go further into also the comments that he also made about the homes that they are not doing. Uh, um, the job that they are supposed to do, and okay, with his police for Sullivan, it's his own uh, business. I don't want to go into it. Okay, I think so everybody in South Africa, everybody in South Africa knows that the hawks are not prosecuting; they are investigating. So if he has to put in a blame, he actually sh- should follow all the cases that they have investigated that we have seen and head on the radio and still come and say, okay, what happened to this and this is not their mandate, is the mandate of the NPA. So right. we shouldn't just make so a comment. Point taken. I've got to move on. I'm going to take one more call before I go back to my guests and read some SMSs. We've got a high volume of calls and SMSs, so please bear with us. Be as brief as you can. Eunice in Johannesburg, good morning. Good morning, Sapiso, and your guest there. So, I think... Uh, the problem is a lot of South Africans are really citizens are beginning to get scared. When I say scared, we know of local underworld mafia that are operating here. But the point is, when we see overseas mafia coming in here and operating with impunity, now you have the Israeli mafia that's here, the Pakistani mafia, Eastern Bloc. So, hello? Yes, we're listening. Yeah, and the, my question to the captain is, Captain, does it not concern you? Now, this is from what I've read in the papers. For example, if you take the Lolly Jackson murder, the alleged killer, George Luca, phones the head of crime intelligence, Joey Mabasa, on his cell phone to tell him that he just murdered someone and then he disappears. So that is what we ordinary South Africans are beginning to get scared of. Take the case of Cyril Beaker, who was assassinated. When I use assassinated, he was driving on the highway. So can you imagine two guys come up with a motorbike and shoot the guy, you know, and ballistics have said that this was a professional hit because while the car was moving, they assassinated him. Now, there's been a string of these murders, which the star had about two weeks ago, expose, no convictions. So how are we ordinary South Africans, are we imagine, how are we going to be made to feel safe in this okay. country? Thanks, you Thanks. Before I, I, I get to Captain Ramaloko to answer that, Peter Castro, just on the issue of Cyril Bierke, there have been those who have said once we understand who is behind that murder or the reasons behind it, it would help to unravel a whole lot of mysteries around some of the incidents that we've seen. Your thoughts on that? 
That is correct, but uh, that's easier said than done. I think uh, we must be careful not to uh, throw all our problems and frustrations into the laps of the Hawks. The Hawks uh, have got limited resources. I think they have been making progress. They are limited, though, also by the fact that uh, the legislation does not provide them complete independence, but they're doing a good job. The civil beakers of this world are not operating as lone rangers. They are linked with mafias, truck kingpins, gangsters from different parts of the world and with different uh, type of activities. It's a network that is involved and very difficult to crack for any police agency, whether it's here or elsewhere. You actually made that point earlier on to begin with, to say South Africa is not unique. We are part of a, a global network of transnational crimes that takes place. In fact, just in terms of financing, we, I, I hear that a major part of the globalizing process is that money of finance has moved to be transferred across the globe to so much that it's entrenched in our legitimate financial systems to a point where even the global financial crisis, it was said that a lot of the money that was in the system that helped us survive was money from those activities. No, you're absolutely right. That is a very complex part of uh, crime syndicates of organized crime, money laundering. Billions are being laundered and moved around the world from all parts. It requires special expertise to deal with that, and we have people in South Africa who are trying to counter that, but we also have criminals involved who are smart and who are involved in money laundering, whether it's from drugs, whether it's rhino horn, whether it's abalone, whether it's counterfeit goods. They are here. Very difficult. We need to uh, be sober about it and see what expertise we can stretch together to counter that, but we need political will as well. Captain Ramaloko, the question that Eunice was asking is how are we going to feel safe? And if we're going to talk about finance or just about the amount of money that is, you know, running around, changing hands, it is said that because of the financial status that South Africa now enjoys post-democracy, that we, we now have access to even much wider networks. We've got even more inflows coming into the country or even outflows. And I think the point by some that I'm making is that there's such a blurred line between legitimate and illicit trade that people don't know if they can feel safe anymore because they're not, they don't know the characters that are involved that are, in fact, in control. Uh, Sabi, you see, looking at the um, underworld crimes, there are crimes that are committed uh, amongst people who know one another. So talking about the um, society in general, there's no reason why people should feel uh, unsafe. And uh, we are saying uh, is the type of of crimes which are committed because uh, maybe business deals um, went uh, wrong or someone is not happy about uh, uh, a a friend in business or... That is the type of crimes um, we, we are talking about. But uh, on the issue of um, uh, 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 James in Polokwane, that um, we have not uh, done enough to arrest people who have, uh, I mean, set alight a house of uh, someone there. I would not want to go into that case in, in details, but uh, I want to tell James that uh, he must understand that um, every case is treated according to its own merit. Okay. And, um I want yeah. to read some SMSs. Uh, William in Cape Town, given the facts around Radovan Kretscher, why is he still here and not facing Czech justice? I've got uh, on a, twi- a, a, a Twitter um, 
Twitter, uh, whatever, a tweet here from Nighty Tina saying, how was the situation under the Scorpions? Facebook for Usaini Josina Angwani says, our justice system is toothless, our laws favor criminals. Sandile Gaza says, our politicians are friends with criminals. Why are we surprised? Full of fellow Dobrik Mawela, corruption, ineffective policing, slack migration policies, porous borders. Mr. Mpo Ramotsoma Senior says, everything is so democratized that even our leaders have lost their plot in dealing with uh, bettering people's lives. Well, Edwin and George, very good morning to you. If I could just ask uh, you Good morning. Please. Look, everybody who loves South Africa, we've got to cut the humbug. We can see Americans stupid enough to tighten the noose around themselves with debt. One thing here, we have to get rid of this myth of uh, joblessness. We have jobs everywhere you look, and that's uh, worth something. Let's put them to work to do their own service delivery and so on, keep the Constitution. But bear in mind, if we're indebted... The Constitution is just a litany of fine words, and we must get into our heads the fact that the criminal is violating the Constitution. Everything is done to protect the criminal. What about the taxpayers and the good citizens? Thanks, Edwin. I think that's the point to end it off on, to get final comments from my guest. Peter Gastro, the hidden cost to society, we've hinted at it, but what is it really? The hidden cost to society of uh, the underworld organized crime. Significance without me being able to give you a rand figure because we're dealing with social consequences, the gang wars on the cat flats uh, with kids and families being deprived of a normal life. We're dealing with uh, business and manufacturing uh, being undermined through counterfeit goods that are being imported. We're dealing with wildlife being decimated because of rhino horn and ivory trade. We're dealing with uh, government officials uh, and business uh, officials, business representatives being undermined, uh, sorry, being involved in corruption and bribery because of the huge numbers of drug money and other illicit funds transmitting uh, through our country. So the costs are significant, uh, and it is not only that, in terms of RANDs, it's our governments are weakening. Throughout the world, particularly developing countries, are weakening because of corruption and being eroded from the inside as a result right. of that. Peter Gastro, thank you very much. Uh, in, in 30 seconds, if you will, Captain Ramaloko, what can we do as a society to help? We need to join hands uh, in the fight against uh, the underworld because uh, the police alone cannot uh, do enough. These criminals are uh, roaming around our community. They are our brothers. They are our sisters. So let's join hands okay. so that we can get to the bottom Thanks of this. Thanks a lot to Captain Paul Ramaloko of the Hawks. And thanks to Peter Gastro, who's a consultant and specialist on transnational crime syndicates.